Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, March 4th, 2023. And our top story today, well, it's Secure Saturday. Today, the operational enhancements needed to implementing provisions of the SECURE Act. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Lauren Lanise and Ishu Chabra are with Enterprise Iron. Lauren, Ishu, great to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning on Secure Saturday. Hi, Thank Jeffrey. You. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to see you both. And, and Lauren, great to see you again. Lauren, I want to start with you because I know you and the Enterprise Iron team have been dissecting all these provisions. And um, I want to ask you, you know, we can't talk about all 90 and four, all 90 plus. Unfortunately, we don't have four hours to, to do that in totality. Uh, but are there particular provisions that stand out to you and the Enterprise Iron team in terms of complexity and, and operational changes? Um, absolutely. There, you're right. There are over 90 provisions here to sort through, um, and, and we've gone through all of them in different ways. RMDs stand out to me. Um, there's the obvious age increase, uh, but we are also changing the calculations quite a bit. Um, SECURE allows participants to elect to include in-plan annuity balances and distributions into the RMD calculation. Um, RMDs will also need to exclude Roth balances from the calculation. And for that one, it specifically mentions pre-death RMDs. So the idea is that spousal and other beneficiary calculations would work differently. Um, also, spousal beneficiaries can now elect to have their RMDs calculated as if they were the original participant. Um, so all of this dramatically increases and expands the RMD calculations into many different formulas using different year-end balances, et cetera, um, and our systems will have to adjust accordingly. Also, Roth and catch-up contributions are another big conversation. Um, catch-up has to be made as Roth for higher wage earners. Uh, catch-up contributions have different limits for participants who are age 60 through 63. So this will all have impact on how our systems enforce the limits and the sources. Um, we'll have to make some updates to payroll interfaces. Um, and also there's now the employer uh, matching source can be as can be Roth as well. So if plans want to implement the Roth employer match source, um, we'll need new sources and potentially updates to tax reporting as well. Yeah, really. And I look, I remember the shift to the uniform life table with RMDs. Right. That that was a challenge <laughs> in terms of communication. I know issue is uh, is oh, laughing. Yeah. It, it, it just was a lot of. I remember during Eggtra, that was a, that around Eggtra. I think it was two thousand two. That was a big deal. Issue <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, there are 90, um, 90 provisions, and some of them have staggered effective dates. And I just want to get your input. You and the team, Lauren, have dissected all this, but. What does it mean for these staggered effective dates? I mean, my head would be swirling with like little Tweety birds if I was a plan sponsor or a record keeper around this stuff. You know, Jeffrey, you're totally right. This, you know, with these 90 provisions that are here, uh, it almost impacts every aspect of the admin retirement administration system. And with these staggered dates, it has surely created an interesting dilemma. But the good thing is that not all of them are mandatory. So what the record keepers really and the plan sponsors are going to be looking at what's mandatory and what's not mandatory. 
And once you break that down, it becomes pretty clear what needs to be and how it needs to be implemented. Now, as you all remember, we just went through CARES Act and SECURE Act 1. And with, especially with those, we had to implement, really all the record keepers had to implement things uh, pretty fast. And uh, we broke it down and we made sure that most of the significant ones that were mandatory were in place. Now here, giving an example, uh, the RMD age, we went from 70 and a half to 72, and now we are going to 73. Now that change should be a pretty simple change because most of us already made provisions in the system to do that. On the other hand, this whole Roth source, when that comes into play, that is something that's optional. It could be if you put it in, it becomes mandatory for catch-up. But if you don't put it in, it's something that you can live without. But now it becomes competitively uh, interesting because as a plan uh, sponsor, and uh, you know, we have to make sure that you are not leaving something behind where 80% of the market is going to offer it the other 20% by not offering it, you are at a disadvantage. So, so it's an interesting dilemma, but I think we have always gone through as an industry and we have always implemented and you know, taking care of the ones that's significant. Yeah, you make a good point. And Lauren, I mean, I, I was you know, telling you guys, I lived through EGTRA back in 2001 and that before CARES and before SECURE, that was pretty significant. And I remember all the litany of changes. And it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't just systemic changes. There were forms, operational protocols, uh, call center, training. Everything had to be updated, Lauren. And, and there's a lot here to unpack. Absolutely. Um, and one that stands out to me is planned documents. Uh, so what we saw with Secure Act 1.0 and CARES is that those amendments were released from document software providers in 2022, uh, well into 2022. And originally, the signing deadline for those amendments was 1231, 2022. Um, so because Secure 2.0 is so big and has so much detail, I think the same thing's going to happen. It's going to be quite some time before we have published amendments for Secure 2.0. Um, but because these provisions have such staggered effective dates, effective dates that are even right now, um, providers are going to need to separately manage and store how their plans are operating and what options they're choosing. Um, so that can be pretty challenging when you don't have the formal document to reference back to. Um, and it's going to be very important that all of the different departments inside the record keeping organization stay in sync with each other. Plan managers need to know what can be offered and when based on procedural and system limitations and implement, implementation dates for these items. Um, communication inside the record keeping organization is going to be a big deal. Um, but plan managers will also need robust communication out to the plan sponsors and participants. Plan sponsors need to prepare for changes they'll need to make to their payroll system, for instance. Participants need to know what's required of them and when. Um, so, you know, working all of these changes is a challenge. Communicating to all the right folks is a challenge. And we're going to also be doing it really without that formal plan amendment for probably quite some time. 
Yeah, and just like to remember. Is... Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. And just no, remember, a lot of these uh, changes that have come up, we still have to go back to IRS and get a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, updates from them because, you know, Roth has an issue where it's still not clear how it's going to be implemented. This, so there are quite a few things that we still need uh, updates from them. Yeah, really good point. I, I, I'm wondering, they're not a sponsor, but if Microsoft Project is going to be used. <laughs> Uh, extensively to do this. I mean, I, I remember using that in the early 2000s. This seems like it's going to have so many dependencies and tasks. It may be a little bit beyond Microsoft, but who knows? Uh, issue, I want to cu- kind of end because uh, with you, because even though we're talking about secure and the secure Saturday, and, we're, and you guys have really detailed some of the things um, that need to be considered, there's a lot going on at the record keepers and service providers beyond just secure. That is a focus, yes. of course, but there's infrastructure. There is uh, you know, new technology. There's cybersecurity. How does this all get balanced if you're, if you're a provider, if, you, if you're someone like yourself and Lauren and others at Enterprise Iron that have to help clients balance all these needs, all these strategies? Uh, Jeffrey, this is a very interesting situation to be in. A lot of the providers, we were all expecting Secure Act 2. It's been in there for such a long time. So most of the plans that were made, there was some kind of a plan made to keep certain aspects of Secure Act as a timeline uh, put in, in our project plan. So it should not be a surprise. There are a lot of things that needs to be done it will be a surely very challenging uh, next few years for most of us. Uh, you know, I think it will need super uh, project management uh, to get all this thing taken care of. But what it opens up, it gives us a lot of opportunities that were not out there before. A lot of the record keepers, service providers, and these plan sponsors, you know, now they can put in and think about things like financial wellness which has always been in the back, you know, not in the forefront of things. And the Secure Act brings some of these very interesting options that could be added. Um, I think it will be a lot of fun doing this, and it will give the participants a lot of interesting choices going forward. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can think about just the whole loan repayment match. And, you know, it, it's just a lot of interesting stuff right now going on. Uh, yeah, uh, it will be challenging, but you know what? Uh, as service providers, you should always be ready to do this. Yeah, and, so. and look, it's and I I agree with you. I mean, I think there's a lot going on. There are improvements. It's not like these are bad things. These are all right. improvements. We've got the the positivity of the Secure Act, and then yeah. we've got the other things that have been you mentioned, financial wellness, etc. Well, issue, Lauren, we're going to have to leave it there. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Really appreciate your insight, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank Thank you you. so much, Jeffrey. Thanks, Lauren and Issue. Great to see you. Thanks for sharing your perspective. And we come back, we'll take a look at some of our best segments of the week. I want to stay tuned right here on BRN. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future.
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeffrey Snyder, and this is your retirement update. You know, annuities have gained some negative connotations, but now younger generations are warming up to them. We saw definite enthusiasm and interest among millennials in retirement income, much more than we expected. And the other thing that we heard that was different from the other generations is millennials talked a lot about retiring early, starting their own business, starting a second chapter. And so it makes sense that they're interested in retirement income because they want to move on to that, that next phase of life. Retirement income is an important part of the retirement journey and annuities could play an important part. With your retirement update, I'm Jeffrey Snyder with the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. You know, it was another great week with great topics and, of course, great guests. We discussed the ins and outs of paying for long-term care. Let's take a look. Clearly a, a, a social issue uh, in our country today. And and it's a big issue, and people are talking about it. People from all walks of life and all economic strata, how do I deal with the, the likely, if not uh, certainty, that I may require care for myself or provide care for other people at some point in time in the future? There are, let's set aside insurance for the moment, and let's just talk in general about resources available to people to help them plan because this is a planning issue more so, I would think, than an insurance issue. I think insurance evolves as a result of the plan. So I think the first thing you want to do is figure out what 
pull together the family, the entire family to the extent you can and talk through these issues um, as they relate to perhaps uh, an older generation or my current generation. Um, how are we gonna deal with this issue of care, providing care for people who uh, need standby assistance uh, for things like uh, uh, bathing, eating, dressing, uh, continence issues, uh, transferring issues, moving from, from a wheelchair to a bed or vice versa, all those kinds of issues, none of which are typically covered by medical insurance. And that's the first realization. Many people are not aware that these kinds of uh, services that are required to care for people are not covered by medical insurance. I don't know that there's a, a too early or too late a time. Uh, late is worse than early, of course, because you may not have adequate resources available and less time to accumulate resources to meet those, those potential needs. So I don't think there's an ideal age. I think someone your age could begin to give serious thought to what's my future gonna look like? Who's gonna be there to help me? What services in the community may be available to me? What's my financial position likely to be in the future as I plan ahead? Uh, Post-retirement, most likely when these needs will occur. So I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily an age too young um, but certainly someone in your age category, 50-ish and above, should be giving thought to this at this point in time. Even though, excuse me, one more point, even those who haven't planned should be giving thought to this is, at this point in time. What resources do I have on hand? What family resources might I be able to access? And what community resources may be available to me? Uh, Medicare, which everyone post-65 would be um, uh, certainly enrolled in, um, it does pay for those services, but very to a very limited extent, very limited. Um, some, some services are covered while hospitalized, some services, um, skilled nursing services, for example, may be covered for a very short period of time post-discharge from a hospital, but you can't really look to Medicare as a long-term source to pay for custodial care because it's not designed for that purpose. Medicaid is a program that's essentially available through the states with federal subsidy to provide for those who don't have the resources to provide for themselves. Um, and there are, there are available programs to buy coverage for those people through partnership types of programs um, where they can at least gain some coverage um, and still retain some of the assets that, that they might lose if they went directly on Medicaid to help pay for care. Uh, houses, uh, uh, home furnishings to a limited degree, um, automobiles and things of that nature, which typically for Medicaid, you probably wouldn't have any of those assets remaining if you went on full Medicaid. So there are programs available. So there are essentially at least three ways, maybe more, to buy some form of long-term care insurance. Historically and most typically, and what I myself have, is a freestanding, what I would call, traditional long-term care policy. That's a policy that I bought many, many years ago. I'm still paying on it. I will pay on it until I either use it or die having not used it. Um, but uh, it provides, in my case, reimbursement expenses 
for reimbursement benefits for expenses incurred on a month-to-month -month basis. Expenses for, as I enumerated earlier, uh, specific custodial type care. Uh, there are, there are uh, six activities of daily living that are defined in most qualified long-term care policies themselves and uh, required standby assistance with any two of those six, whether the, the need for it is medically uh, induced or whether it's cognitively induced. For example, we think in terms of Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia that may disable people to the point where they need assistance. Those types of benefits are provided under a long-term care policy that provides typically reimbursement. You incur the expense and then the insurance company reimburses you for the outlay. And we also discussed building healthy snacks for healthy study habits as well. Let's take a look. I've always had a very entrepreneurial personality, but at the same time, I also I also maintained a corporate job and I actually rose up the corporate ladder very quickly. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have this idea that you cannot, uh, you know, spend time in corporate America and that there's nothing to learn. And I think that's an absolute lie. I think wherever you are, whether you're mopping the floors, whether you're crunching spreadsheets, anything, there's always something to learn in the journey of life. When I was, a, when I was in high school, my first taste of entrepreneur definitely hit me hard and it made me grow up fast. I started a tutoring business outside, out of my parents' basements. And I started to notice the impact of good nutrition on the performance of my students. When I was younger, academics was very stressed in my household. And before I did my homework, uh, my parents would actually feed me a bowl of fruits and nuts. And as I got older, they explained to me why, why exactly they did that. The fruits were meant to give you a short-term burst of energy to get you amped up and ready to tackle the math problems or the literature exercises that the teacher whipped up for you. The nuts were to help you have long-term fuel that can get you through multiple hours of studying. I fed that same recipe to my students and I helped someone increase their SAT score by a whopping 290 points. So the whole concept of the Excalibur was that me and my friend Rob, when we started this company together, we realized that this whole industry of big agriculture and the food industry, there is a huge emphasis on profits. There's a huge emphasis in shelf life. And that's great and all. I think that I'm not one to knock modern technological advancements like uh, proper packaging, proper food storage. That is something that we cannot take for granted. But there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. I've noticed that so many energy bars on the market, I look at their ingredients, and I see a lot of very, very strange chemicals that I cannot really pronounce easily. And I'm the kind of guy who, you know, instead of taking things for granted, I always do further research. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's watching this video right now, next time you see an energy bar in the food aisle with a list of weird, funky ingredients, go on Google, go look up each one of them 
on Wikipedia, you can look up the potential adverse health effects that they have. The, we put so much food in our body that's laden with preservatives and it's slowing us down. It's yes, it's cheaper. Yes, it makes the manufacturers more profits, but it's slowing you down as a human being from reaching your full potential. It's making you lethargic. It's, you know, it's really just hindering your productivity. I mean, you can see it's really late in the day and I'm still, I'm still full of energy. And that's because I live a very disciplined life. I'm very conscious of what I put in my body and I made the Excalibur with that principle in mind. The whole yeah. concept of the Excalibur is that it's the sword and weapon that gives you the energy to get you through your day. I originated the name of the bar uh, with my friend Rob, who is my co-founder. So we wanted a name to that really embodies the value of our company, Heaven's Pantry. And what values do we represent? Well, let's take a step back. When you think of a knight, what do you what do you think of in terms of values and moral character? First of all, knights have a very strict code of ethics and integrity that they abide by. They, they embody the values of valor, purity, diligence, and hard work. Those are the values that we truly believe in as a company. So we wanted a brand and image that people can identify with that signifies trust and integrity. And the whole concept of the Knights of the Round Table was born. So we have a third co-founder. <laughs> His name is Justin. We can think of we can think of Rob, the guy who came up with the with the concept and the name as King Arthur. We can think of uh, we we can think of uh, Justin as the head knights of the round table. And you can think of myself as the magical wizard who goes across the land and proclaims how awesome this product is. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? We'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by members of the media, academia, financial services, and government as we analyze all the news and events for the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Be safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, 
wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare, and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom, and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The Tax Relief Line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free.